I want to turn your attention this evening to this portion of Scripture that we have read together. My usual habit in the preaching of the Gospel is to take a single text and to preach the Gospel from that text. But as I was contemplating this meeting this evening and uh, was thinking about it much and praying about it in the past days, the Lord brought to my mind three precious little texts of Scripture. And I want tonight to deal with those in the gospel. We could uh, say that we were going to look at Christ from three different standpoints or look at a three-dimensional look at Christ. Whatever we want to call it, uh, it doesn't matter. But what we want to do is draw your attention to three very wonderful short texts of Scripture, trusting that the Lord will use them mightily to the edifying and blessing of the hearts of all who are saved, and especially to the hearts of those who are strangers to God and to his grace. The first is found in the verse 5 of the portion of Scripture that we read together. And it is just the words of Pontius Pilate there at the end of the verse when he brought forth the Lord Jesus Christ and he presented him to the people. And he said, Behold the man. And the, the emphasis there, I believe, is on the sinlessness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that there Christ is presented the Lord Jesus Christ is presented to our view for our inspection. Behold the man. In other words, Pilate was pressing upon the Jewish people a further look at the Lord Jesus who they had been disregarding very lightly. And then the second text is found in John's Gospel, chapter 1, and in the verse 29. It is the words of that great preacher 
and soul winner John the Baptist. And there, preaching by the banks of the Jordan River, when he saw the Lord Jesus Christ coming toward him, he pointed to him and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And it's just those words, Behold the Lamb of God. The emphasis there is on the sacrifice of the Savior. The sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it presents to us the Lamb for our reception. Behold the Lamb of God. John the Baptist was presenting Christ as the Lamb of God. Seeking to emphasize to the people that here was the only remedy and the only sacrifice that would take away their sin and bring them nigh to God. Then the third little text again is found in the chapter that we read together. And again it is the words of Pilate, the Roman governor, when he brought forth the Lord Jesus Christ and he said to the people, Behold your king. Behold your king. And the emphasis here is upon the sovereignty of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is presented as the king for our subjection. Those are the three texts and the three thoughts that are on my mind for this meeting this evening. And we trust that God the Holy Ghost will write them indelibly upon every heart and work mightily on every soul through them. First of all, behold the man, the man for our inspection. As I've already said, he is introduced by Pilate, the Roman governor. And he says to the people, Behold the man. At this particular point in time, the Jews were thoughtlessly dismissing the Lord Jesus Christ. But these words from the Roman governor Pilate forced upon them some deeper consideration. Behold the man, said Pilate. Look at this man. Oh, what a sight it was that caught their eyes 
that day outside the judgment hall of Pilate. As they gazed upon Christ the Lord at the judgment hall of Pilate, he had been the previous evening in the garden of Gethsemane. And for many hours he had lain prostrate upon the ground and sweated great drops of blood. The blood and the dust of the ground had caked upon his face and his features were deeply marked by the long hours that he had spent there in conflict, in prayer, wrestling against the powers of darkness. All hell was set against him. And there he wrestled in prayer. Then after that, he had been roughly handled in the house of the high priest. He had been roughly handled there and buffeted and rejected. And then cast into a dirty dungeon. Following that, he was taken to Pilate's judgment hall. And the chapter that we read together begins and it tells us, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. Oh, how quickly we can read those words. And sometimes how thoughtlessly we pass on from them. But oh, how we need to let those words sink into our hearts and into our souls. The blessed Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, was taken and his back was furrowed with a Roman lash. Every time the lash was laid upon his back, it ploughed a furrow in his skin. Those furrows were filled with his blood. Then the soldiers plotted a crown of thorns after Pilate had scourged him and they placed them upon his head and they beat them into his brow. They stripped him of his garments, clothed him in a purple robe, mocked him and set him at naught held him up as an object of ridicule. Then after all the sufferings of Gethsemane, after all the rough handling of that night in the high priest's house, 
And after all that the Roman governor had done to him in his scourging, and after the treatment, the rough treatment of the Roman soldiers, Pilate brings him forth to the crowd. And he says, Behold the man. I want you to see him tonight and see the sight that was before their eyes. The Lord Jesus Christ, my dear friends, there he was before the people and they rejected him. They cried out, let him be crucified. You see, dear friends, the world has always treated Christ in one way and in one way only, rejection. The world is marked by a thoughtless rejection of Jesus Christ. And what was done there to the Son of God by the high priest and by Pilate himself and by the Roman soldiers and by the crowd who rejected him has been done to him again and again and again in every age has been repeated again and again down through the course of human history. The world is marked by a thoughtless rejection of Christ Jesus, the Lord, the Savior of man. But the challenge of Pontius Pilate still comes to our hearts as powerful as ever tonight. Behold the man. Look upon him. Look at Christ. Look at Christ. And what I want to do tonight. By the grace of God. Is to seek. To get you to look again. At the person. Of the Lord Jesus Christ, the blessed Son of God. And I want you to see him as he is presented for your inspection. What do you think of him? What do you think of him? What is your attitude toward him? What is your feelings for him? While the arts today of the great mass of humanity is rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ, mocking and deriding him, I am asking you tonight to stop for a moment. 
and behold the man for yourself. Inspect him. Consider who he is. He is none other than the blessed Son of God. He is none other than the creator of all the ends of the earth. He is the the upholder of all things. The scripture tells us that he upholds all things by the word of his power. He is the creator of all things. John tells us in the opening chapter of his gospel, in the verse 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He upholds the whole fabric of creation. He upholdeth all things by the word of his power. He is the Son of God. And yet, he is the Son of God. He is the Son of Man. God manifest in the flesh for our salvation. That is who he is. My friend, when you go on without Jesus Christ, It is not a preacher that you reject. It is not a church that you reject. It is not a sermon that you reject. It is not a theory that you reject. It is not a theology that you reject. It is the person, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the sinner's only Savior. Acts 4 and 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Oh, we must be saved. But men and women, the only one who can save us tonight is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ the blessed Son of God. Consider how he was born. He was born of the Virgin Mary without a taint taint of sin. He's the sinless, spotless, flawless Son of God. Consider how he lived. He lived a sinless, spotless, flawless life. And when old Pilate, who was no friend of Jesus Christ, had judged him, and the evidence that were given against him, he said, I find no fault in him. He was the faultless Son of God. He was the flawless Son of God. He was the sinless Son of God. I want you to think not only of 
who he is and how he was born. Not only con- to consider how he lived, but I want you to think of the good that he done during his earthly ministry. This is the person to whom Pilate directed their attention on that day outside the judgment hall. The one who healed the lame and made them to walk. The one who touched the leper and said, I will be thou clean delivered him from his leprosy and sent him away whole and healed. Yes, he's the one who went to the land of the Gadarenes and cast out a legion of devils out of the man of Gadara and sent him home to his family clothed and in his right mind is the one who stopped the funeral coming out of the city of Nain and restored the young man to life and restored him to his mother Yes, he's the mighty son of God. The one who gives sight to the blind. The one who healed the lepers. The one who made the lame to walk. And cast the devils and demons out of the man of Gadara. He's the one who stood outside the tomb of Lazarus. And brought the dead to life. He said. Lazarus come forth. And Lazarus came forth. After being dead for four days. Yes. This is the person. Whom. The Roman governor brought forth and said to the people, Behold the man. When you consider the man who he is, how he was born, how he lived, and the good he has done, how can you reject him tonight? How can you deride him? Oh, it's true that the the Jewish people, they still rejected him. Even though Pilate forced upon them a further look at him. Behold the man. Behold the man. Inspect him. Look at him. Consider him. Is he not worthy of your faith and your trust in him 
and the saving mercy and the saving grace and the saving power. That brings us to our second point this evening. Behold the Lamb for our reception. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. The words of John the Baptist, they go a little deeper, a little deeper than anything that Pontius Pilate could say to the people. You see, the Jewish people were familiar with the lambs being offered every day upon the altar in the temple at Jerusalem. There was day after day the reek of the burning flesh upon the altars. There was day after day the smell of the freshly shed blood of those lambs Yes, they knew, the Jewish people knew what John the Baptist was speaking about when he said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He was urging them to look at the Lord Jesus Christ and see in him the perfect sacrifice. See him as the perfect lamb of God. You see, he was revealing something of the mystery of why the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world. He was revealing to the Jewish people that he came to be the substitute that he came to be the sacrifice, that he came to die that death upon the cross of Calvary. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Jews understood absolutely the meaning of his words because of all the experience they had had of the sacrifices day after day week after week month after month year after year there on the temple altars behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world here is the sacrifice that will take away your every sin. That's what John the Baptist was seeking to imprint upon the mind and the heart of the people. Here is the only sacrifice that will take your sin away and make you fit for heaven. Here is the blood that will wash away your every sin. 
the precious blood of Jesus Christ, God's Lamb. God's sacrifice. Peter preaching there, as I've already mentioned, just after the day of Pentecost, said, neither is there salvation in any other. Oh, men and women and young people tonight, I want you to get the truth of that. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Men, women, and young people, we must be saved. But there is only salvation in the person and in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the blessed Son of God. The church can't save you. The ordinances of the church can't save you. Only Christ can save you. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Men and women and young people, if ever we're going to be in heaven, we must be saved. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what the Bible teaches. And there is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. You remember what the angel said to Joseph there in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 21. He said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Yes, he's the Savior. He is the only Savior from sin. No, tonight, sinner friend, if you want to be saved, you need to come to Jesus Christ, the blessed Son of God. You need to accept God's sacrifice. God's Lamb. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The perfect sacrifice. The sacrifice that satisfied divine justice forever. Oh, I urge you tonight not only to look at Christ but to come and trust him as your own and personal saviour recognize tonight that he died to save you from your sin you remember Isaiah preaching there in the Old Testament scriptures in Isaiah 45 and 22, he cried, Look unto me and be saved, all ye ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none other. There's none other Savior but the Lord Jesus Christ, the blessed Son of God. He's the only Savior. The Bible says, he came unto his own, 
and his own received him not. But listen to this. But to as many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. What about it, men, women, young people tonight? Will you come and put your faith and your trust in the blessed Son of God, the sinner's only Savior? Oh, I urge you to come. I urge you to come. The Lord Jesus himself said in John 6 and 37, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Oh, come to him and trust him. Finally and very quickly, we have the king presented for our subjection. Behold your king. Pilate presented Jesus as the king. I know there might have been an element of mockery here. He was wearing a crown but it was a crown of thorns. Yes. He has a purple robe of a king. It was given him by the mocking soldiers that were deriding him. He has a scepter in his hand, but it is only a reed. It is only a reed. Just like a corn stalk. The pilot says, Behold your king. Now the Jews wanted no such king, and neither does the world today. They don't want the Lord Jesus Christ. The old hymn writer says, Our Lord is now rejected. And by the world is sown. And I tell you, he's by the few enthroned. What about you tonight? Will you own him as your king? Will you come under the subjection of Christ tonight? Trust him as your Savior and your Lord and your Redeemer. Trust him as your only Savior and Redeemer and Lord. In Isaiah chapter 33 there, we have the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that chapter 33, he is crowned as the King. Isaiah chapter 33 and the verse... 22. The Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. 
Oh, men and women tonight, I urge you to come to Christ, the Lord, and put your faith and your trust in him and his redeeming blood. We're told there in the book of Philippians that there's a day coming when every knee shall bow and every heart shall confess. Some will bow in willing and ready submission and trust Christ. I trust tonight that that's the way you'll come. You'll come now just as you are without one plea but that his blood was shed for you and that he bids you come come and trust him come and be saved oh come now the bible always urges us to come come now in the book of Isaiah there in the chapter 1 God says, come now and let us reason together. Come now. The Lord Jesus Christ says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Will you come? Will you put your faith and your trust in him? And his redeeming love and redeeming mercy and redeeming grace to as many as received him to them give he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name what about it tonight are you saved are you saved has there been a time when you've come and you've asked the Lord to pardon you from all your sin? Wash you in his precious blood. Save you by his wonderful grace. Oh, you know, the dying thief there upon the cross, he was slipping out into God's eternity, dying. But he looked to Jesus Christ. While the multitude around were mocking the Savior and deriding him. He looked to Christ and he says, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He recognized there on that cross that his only hope of heaven was in Christ. And I tell you tonight, your only hope of heaven is in Christ and a saving mercy and a saving grace. And I urge you like the dying thief to come and to cry to the Lord to remember you, pardon you, and save you by his wonderful, wonderful grace. I urge you to come. The opportunity is yours. The privilege is yours. 
but who you've got to come. Come now. And he'll save you. The dying thief closed his eyes with the assurance that he was saved. For the Lord Jesus said, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. He had absolute assurance. What a way to die. Have you absolute assurance? I'm glad tonight I have that assurance. Not because of anything that's in me, but because of what Christ has done for me. He took my place on yon old cross. He died in my room and in my stead. And I praise him tonight for dying for me and saving me by the power of his blood. Will you come and be saved? God bless you. God help you to come. Let us pray.